Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending podcast in the history of college football. Crap, I screwed up the drop. That's okay. My name is Nam Lay. Uh, I am not joined this week by my familiar partner, Scott Chong. Instead, in his place is a man that I owe basically everything I have to. Uh, the impeccable, the untouchable, the heart and soul of Cal- uh, California Golden Blogs, Avinash Kanayev. Uh Avi, how you doing? Doing well, Nam. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. It's been been a little bit of a weird week. You know, I know it's big game week, but it doesn't hasn't really sunk in yet. And it's uh, what is it? Wednesday night as we're doing this, so uh, we'll 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 see how it goes. How are you feeling? Uh, we'll open up with that. Oh, I'm not feeling anything. I am so used to not feeling anything in November. So this is pretty much standard year with Cal football. By November, all feelings have been turned off, and I'm just ready for December. Just ready. Uh, well, I think before we start getting into some of our reader questions this week, or just generally, uh, you know, thinking about long term. Uh, I know both of us generally aren't really looking forward to this. I believe at last check we are double-digit underdogs, um, which feels low to me. Does it feel low to you? Uh, I thought it would be seven points, but then last week happened, and it seems about right. 11 points is pretty high for Stanford. Uh, you can't really rely on Stanford to win by... A lot of points, so... But they can't rely on Cal to give up a lot of points either, so it's going to be one of those games where, you know, it it depends who shows up and is a little bit better at what they do. Will the Cal offense be better, or will the Stanford defense be better? Because you're figuring the other two factors cancel each other out. Uh, That is what I thought, and then I saw Stanford Oregon last week, and sure if I feel that way anymore because Stanford looked like Stanford that we thought they would be this season. And I mean, this- the other thing is uh, their only losses this year have been to what we would consider to be the top-tier uh, conference teams. 44-6 to against Washington, 42-16 against Washington State, and then 10-5, to like, ugly mess against Colorado. And all those three teams are the top class of the conference. Uh, Stanford might be decent again. Oh, they're, they're good. I mean, their defense is really good. I think they're kind of, if I had to compare them to any team, it's I would compare them to, uh, you know, one of our Cal teams from a few years ago, which was really good defensively, but kind of just offensively stumbled along. And they're a little bit better than that because they have McCaffrey, but... It's interesting like, that at seven and three, uh, S and P plus still doesn't really love them. They're ranked only twelve spots ahead of us, and we're four and six. Um, obviously, we know about McCaffrey. That's going to be a big part of their offense, regardless. And we're not totally scared of either guy who they could trot out there at quarterback. I believe at last check, it is now Keller Christ uh, and their army of unstoppable, gigantic receivers, but most of the attention is going to be on McCaffrey. What else are we looking for in this game? 
Well, I mean, Stanford is one of those teams that has struggled to move the football. Um, they have, I think, before the Oregon game, I think they were next, close to last place in college football in terms of red zone drives. They would not get drives into the red zone. They kind of stumble their way. And Still terrible. 3.75 points per trip inside the 40, uh, good for 117th in the country. Yes, and they, they have not fixed that because they, before Oregon, I mean, they were struggling against really bad teams like Oregon State and Arizona, and they just could not get their offense going. Now, it seems like I think I took it to another gear last week, and it looks like they're starting to get he seems a little bit more comfortable than he did in the past couple of weeks. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those games where the Cal defense is going to have to show up and match up one-on-one with tight ends and find a way to, to keep McCaffrey in check. Okay, so do all of the things they haven't really done too well all year. Sounds great. Um, I'm not particularly worried about any of the wide receiver matchups. I think... Uh, we'll probably struggle a little bit with the size. Uh, Dalton Schultz and Greg Tabaota, if they're – this is as good a week as any, it seems like, for them to break out their tight ends. Or one of the random obscure guys, maybe like a J.J. Arcego-Whiteside, uh, who always seems to just pop out of nowhere and just dominate. Um, you know, like when Ty Montgomery used to be on the team, and he was the more uh, heralded – wide receiver Mike Rector I think scored three touchdowns on us so you know you just get used to some random dude on the Stanford offense uh popping out besides the wide receivers uh definitely I'm looking at the linebackers to step up make a couple plays this week um on top of that it looks like or it sounds like or maybe I'm just being super hopeful that Darius Allensworth would be back which would also be another nice bonus this week yeah, I mean, Allensworth would be huge, but I'm not sure if this is, like, this is not a game where he's, like, necessary because Stanford does not have wide receivers that are going to be tough one-on-one to guard. Like, I think this is one week where our cornerbacks, whoever they are, could probably hold their own, um, whether it's Marla Sean. The biggest issue is, is our safeties. Will Rubenzer be back? Um, or we have enough linebackers to the tight ends and be able to keep ourselves off the field, take ourselves off the field by uh, using our linebackers and coverage and not getting beat on third down like we always do against Stanford. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit better. Granted, like, Washington State dominated us uh, through the air. They basically got whatever they wanted uh, both ways, and we're down to the very last dregs of our secondary. But one of the bright spots uh, was Kari Vanderbilt. I think he made a couple of really nice plays, uh, made the uh, made the best out of the opportunities that were available to him. You know, uh, yes, the interception is an unforced error, but he's out there. He seemed to be performing pretty decently. It's the guy who runs next to him, and hopefully... If it isn't Luke, uh, hopefully if it does end up being Jalen Hawkins again, that he doesn't get himself thrown out on what, like the third or fourth play of the game. And he's, I agree. He's out for the first half, isn't he? Oh, crap. Are you serious? Yeah, I think that that is the targeting rule, yes. Yeah, out for out the first, first half. Damn it. 
I do agree. Like, yeah, I don't think Allensworth would be that big of a difference, but where he would do better is, you know, holding up on run support if they're attacking the edges. Uh, he has generally, to my eye, looked like he knows what he's doing out there and positions himself well out on the edge. And plus, he's thicker than the rest of the cornerbacks. And it's not likely to show up too much, but even if getting 1% more out of having him is better than nothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games where, like, Rebenzer would be helpful because he's a he's a, he's a a bigger size of a safety who can kind of play up on the line and make a few things happen. But I'm not sure if we have those kind of, kind of guys. Like, the rest of our safeties are kind of young. You can see that they play, they're kind of lanky. They're not really super muscular. Um, they're, because they're just freshmen. They're, they're red freshmen or redshirt freshmen and well enough to like keep Stanford in check. So that's what I worry about, that we don't have this, the personnel to like keep Stanford from you know getting what they want just by running their simple butter and bread. You know, you and I have lamented for many, many years the black hole that is the Cal safety position. Uh, it's incredible that, like, six seven years now we can't seem to find a guy that can match up with an opposing tight end it's just it and obviously like that doesn't bode well considering our mortal enemies uh specialize in just random tall white guys who tend to dominate yeah i mean problem is like with stanford you need linebackers um like colorado has like a good set of linebackers who can match up with tight ends and you know not let them get open. Uh, Washington is the best defense in the Pac-12. And um, Washington State has proven that they have the personnel to match up. Uh, Cal, has, Cal has an issue in the sense that they don't have guys who can go one-on-one with tight ends or, or hybrid wide receivers who can go inside. And that causes so many matchup problems. Like, you saw what Washington did. Like, they just ran a few crisscross routes and Nobody uh, can keep cr- keep pace across the field. Yeah, I mean, we don't have the inside personnel to, like, match up. And that's mixed both weeks with uh, teams that just have that physicality up front. And I don't know if Stanford is as good as Washington or USC, but um, they looked really good last week. So it's going to be very tough. We need to hope Stanford can make some mistakes on their own. Uh, luckily, they are maddeningly conservative, terrible in the red zone. If there's any sort of opportunity, also the game's on the road, and up until a few weeks ago, uh, Christian McCaffrey had never scored a rushing TD on the road. So there's a couple of things that you know you can point at in the game plan. Just doesn't seem like the personnel might be there, but who knows? This year's Stanford offense is pretty bad, even if they are starting to get back on track the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it there's, seems a, there's like- a chance. It seems like they learned how to finally use Bryce Love last week, which is really concerning. Like, Love is, like, one of those guys who just kills kill Cal if he gets the outside edge because, you know, Cal's really good with stopping the first option, but if there's a second option, like, you have McCaffrey and Love, like, both being effective, then I just don't see, like, a way forward. Um, and they have Cameron Scarlett now as their third string running back who he had a big game last week, 68 yards. Uh, Love had 82 yards on five carries. Um, and McCaffrey, of course, had his best game of the year, I think. And the problem is, like, I've, uh, I've compared Cal to Texas Tech a lot this year, but I actually think we're more like Oregon 
Like, we're kind of just the same team, except Cal has an Oregon game where we kind of just went at each other, and the last team that the last team that made the play won. And I think that could hold true this year, um, in the sense that the teams we match with are the teams that Oregon matches up poorly with. Oof. All right. So that's kind of what we're looking for uh, when Stanford has the ball, flipping it over. Uh, obviously, a lot of attention. Again, they have a first another possible high draft pick in Solomon Thomas, a former five-star out of Georgia. Twelve tackles for loss, seven sacks this year. He'll be a nightmare to defend up front. But what else are you looking for or thinking about is going to be key uh, when Cal has the ball this week? I mean, we got to run the ball. I mean, we did. We have done a really poor job of running the ball the last three weeks. Um, whether I wonder it's if there's a guy who started a hashtag or a complaint about to our uh, offensive coordinators about that. I wonder who that guy would be. Yeah, I wonder who he is. Uh, <laughs> not him before, but yeah, I think with Stanford, like you have to be able to run on them, or they're just gonna get the ball back and run the clock out. So. Like, you need to be able to hold the ball for a long period of time, or at least enough... Maximize your chances uh, when you do have the ball. Yeah, enough time to, like, create scoring opportunities. I think that's how we beat Utah, was we took advantage of scoring opportunities. Like, um, Utah's probably on most days would beat us, but, but we maximized their scoring opportunities. We had four touchdowns on four big plays. So I think with Cal, I think we have to open up the playbook and do some tricky things and hope to have a good game in terms of finding mismatches that we can exploit on the outside. And we might... Stanford is kind of vulnerable in certain areas. They're not they're not as complete as they were in past years. I definitely agree with you. One of the major complaints that we had last year about coming out of the big game was like uh, there was a lingering sense that Sonny like, messed up the game management. I think we kicked something like three field goals and ended up losing by 12, uh, knowing that you really aren't going to get a ton of opportunities to get the ball back. One, because of the style of game that they play, and two, because the defense only has so many stops in them in the first place uh, with the personnel being as thin as they are. I definitely don't want to see any unnecessary red zone field goals. Um, like This is a time, I think, hopefully Sonny gets it by now after being blown out for the third straight week. Uh, we're hearing more chatter than ever before about his job starting to be, uh, I wouldn't say hot seat yet, but there are grumblings. The grumblings are getting noticeably louder after the last three weeks. Uh, one of, So game management making sure that you take full advantage of that is going to be part of it. But the other thing is, like, how injured do you think Davis Webb actually is? And how much of a factor has that been in the la- in the way the offense has played the last four weeks? It's a huge factor. Um, I don't know how hurt Webb is, but he has not played that well since he injured his thumb. Um, he had one good half against Oregon, and after that he's kind of just faded. And... I think at this point, Dykes kind of hitched his wagons to Webb, and he just thinks that he's the best shot he's got. And it says a lot about the quarterback, what he thinks about the quarterbacks behind him, that even though Webb is kind of struggling and 
kind of misses a lot of throws and is throwing more interceptions now that he doesn't really trust either Forrest or Bowers against these against the top tier Pac-12 teams. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where, like, I don't see a way f- for Cal to really win without Webb. But then again, I don't really see a way for Cal to to really have a chance with the way Webb is playing. So at this point, I think Dags is kind of trapped in terms of do I play these other guys? And then if they're bad, how bad do I look? Or do I stick with Webb and hope that, you know, he guts it out and our defense comes up with some stops and we can maybe pull out an upset? I'm not sure if that was possible the last three weeks, but, I mean, Stanford is, as we've seen, Stanford is usually not a team that can score a lot, so maybe he's hoping that'll change this week. You and I had texted some about this uh, before we came on the show, but for people who haven't, you know, heard or seen our feeds the entire week, I'm personally of the theory that the last three weeks, uh, Dykes' refusal to play the other guys has not just to do with, oh, we're sending a message to the team that we didn't give up. That I personally, I feel like that's a load of bullshit. Like, that's something he says, um, but that's not a mindset that he truly plays with. It seems to be like he's trying not to get blown out. Um, or at least trying to make it look respectable in the end game. But there's a part of me that's also low-key concerned that we have nobody ready after after Davis Webb anyway. And it's just like, it pisses me off more than any decision that he's made so far to keep not just, not just um, Davis Webb out there unnecessarily, but also Chad and Melquis Stovall, who we haven't had a... Uh, updated injury report yet as of uh, as of recording time, like yeah, Hanson is, is supposed to be questionable, right? He's still questionable for Saturday. And you have to wonder how much of that is because he got rushed back two weeks early, or he's playing at eighty five percent, or he's playing more snaps than he has to actually play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this comes back to the whole philosophy of of Sunny Dykes football, which is you run a lot of plays for a bunch of guys. Um, and the more plays you run, I mean, I think evidence has proven that the more likely your team's going to get hurt. And your players on your team are going to get hurt. And for Hanson to be out there last night um, in a game that was already over was pretty stunning. Like, I, I couldn't believe he was still out there if he wasn't playing. If he, was, he was already playing a little gimpy at that point. But to see Hanson out there, to see Webb out there, uh, it was it was a little stunning, and it, it does bring up the point where you're just wondering what is Dykes actually playing for? Is he playing to make the score look better, or is he actually playing for a victory? And that that isn't that hasn't really been solved yet because he hasn't had a really good a good opponent, and I mean Utah kind of counts, but even then we kind of we kind of walked ourselves in that. We had a lot of, we had a lot of luck there. Got got a lot of luck. You know, that's been the hallmark of of Sonny so far. Is like even when he does succeed, he does it in the most unsatisfying way possible. Um, same thing with Texas. You know, like it takes all the way to the very bitter end of the game, and like he's never come out uh, 
as the head coach of Cal and really put on an impressive performance against a team that, you know, they shouldn't be beating. Still now. And I know coming into the year we would have been ecstatic if we said, oh, he's going to beat Oregon this year and he's going to beat Texas. But, oh, by the way, both those teams suck. It's like one of those deal with the devil type things uh, where they, like, add on this extra, um, like, clause to make it less satisfying in the end. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, Dykes has always been kind of that kind of coach. Like, even when he was at Louisiana Tech, like, I think the I think the game that we all cited as like what we were hoping he would play like was the Texas A&M, yeah, the A and M game, and he was down I think by thirty points in that game or twenty to thirty points, and then they came back and made it like a two score a two point game at the end, so which they ended up losing still they did lose and that's we we kind of have any like sample points that oh it's game manager and. He's capable of putting together a game plan that, you know, would press us and could probably get us victories in big games. And he's kind of just lived up to that. Like, his most impressive performances have been squeakers or games that have been decided in the final seconds or, you know, our players making a play. Like, we did, he hasn't really coached any, any impressive games at all since he's gotten here. You know, uh, this seems like an ideal way to segue into the news that just broke maybe less than an hour ago, so I'm actually going to put the pod out as soon as possible because I know people are going to want to hear us talk about this. Uh, The rumor mill turns anew for Sonny Dykes. Uh, News broke that he is on the short list of guys being considered by Baylor, uh, who's looking to replace uh, interim head coach Jim Groby. Your thoughts? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, this will be year two of uh, Sunny Rumors, so who knows? This this will probably lend with another contract extension or maybe just nothing. I mean, I don't know the, I don't know what the rumor mill is all about, and I don't know how reliable it is, but it's kind of worrisome that our our football coach is constantly out in like it's not good for continuity it's not good for the program it's not good for recruiting I mean like if your coach is signed up through 2019 like you need to have it be firm and to have him like reliably sourced by this this report comes from CBS um, and have these sources be super reliable that he is that he might be in the mix for another coaching job. I mean that's that's not good for the program. It can't you can't have a coach that's always looking like a free agent. I agree it's bad for optics, but uh, you started laughing. I also started laughing when I heard the news because I suspect that I am one of the last people um, especially among the the writers and bloggers to to flip over to this side. But it's like, if he wants to walk, let him walk, man. Like, I would hate that. But honestly, like, if we're thinking about could we do better, Uh, yes. Would it suck for us to start over? Yes. But ultimately, I have very little that convinces me that Sonny Dykes is going to be the dude. And 
you know, I keep trying to find better and better ways to express how frustrated and pissed off I am uh, <laughs> at Sunny Dykes. You know, like I, assuming you know, there's there, I know there's quite a few readers who are just looking forward to seeing uh, what I come up with uh, if we lose the next two weeks. Like what words I'm gonna manage to string together to express this further, but. Um, like I, he's lost me. I just I'm tired of watching this brand of football. Uh, shout out to Mark Towson. I unintentionally quoted you. And you know, if that gets us out of a 1.5 million dollar buyout this year, fine. Let him walk. Let him go to Baylor. I don't care that it's an insult to us that he'd be going to a program that's probably uh, sanctioned, like on the edge of sanctions. Uh, yeah. Might as well start over. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know that would be the consensus. Like, most people in Cal are not very happy with Dykes right now. But is he really in the mix? Like, this is just a coaching rumor. This, And Les Miles is also in this coaching rumor, and I don't think he's going to Baylor. So, I mean, Baylor is looking for a coach, and, I, and they'll probably find someone to, to you know, replace the guys it's a toxic situation in Baylor so they have to find someone soon if you if you'd like me to play devil's advocate for a second uh, Baylor athletic department let me note that Sonny Dykes has a track record of rebuilding programs granted we weren't dealing with a wave of sexual assault scandals but the Cal program that Sonny Dykes inherited in late 2012 was not a very good one either. It was a complete and total cultural rebuild. Uh, you know, if you'd like to take him off our hands, we know he has experience with that. He's from Texas. He has connects in the region. You know, just um, just putting it out there. He's inspiring. He is good at finding grad transfers from Texas. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dad's a legend. His dad's a legend. Can't can't forget Coach's son, man. Um, but honestly, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, this is the second straight off season where he might be walking. I don't think he's totally happy here. Uh, but the know, question Cal- is, like, is Baylor the situation for him? Like, I don't know if Dykes is super interested. In, and he, I know he, he would probably be happier coaching in a Texas program because that's where his roots are. That's where he came from. Is Baylor the situation for him if he wanted to leave? Like, I would I would think that he has pretty sufficient job security at Cal, even if he loses these next two games, because... Oh, absolutely. You and I have long said he's probably hanging on till next year easily, regardless of what happens this year. I don't even think... I mean, I think he's going to be here at least till 2018. Oh, please, God. Because, oh, I mean, he... Yeah, he has the he has the buyout, and Cal's paying I don't know two or three or four buyouts right now, and like I don't think they can afford to just part with a guy who has been brought here to rebuild Cal's academic program, and he's done that. And if you go around and fire him for doing that, despite you know despite the the subpar results on the field, like. You're going to get a lot of flack in the coaching community because he has been given, like, a terrible hand in terms of athlete affections and everything. And a lot of people, it's been circulated, like, widely in the college football world. Like, Cal's a hard job now, 
and Dykes has kind of bit the bullet for you guys. So you have to stay loyal to him for for at least a little while longer. For at least a little while longer. You can't just fire him. Like it's going to be hard to get a, a good coach to to replace him unless he leaves up his own board. No, I definitely definitely agree. Like I'm just I guess the best way to put it is like I want it to work. I would be happy if it did. But I'm glumly resigned to the fact that we've probably seen the best of Sonny Dykes. Um, and, you know, as recently as three or four weeks ago, I was getting ready to write a, write a column about how, oh, you know, we're competitive, we are entertaining, this is like the new Cal football ethos. It's not. It's incompetent. And I'm tired of this. So we'll we'll see, but it, it does look like we, we will be with Sonny for a little bit while longer unless he decides to uh, take a job um, but that news broke tonight so we'll see what happens uh, do you want to get into a couple of reader questions Avi? Oh, absolutely alright question number one assuming zero staff changes happen this offseason how many wins in 2017 uh, would Coach Dykes need to be safe for you I mean like he's most likely safe through 18 anyway but like what would be a good number for you next year uh if he kept the whole staff yeah Ugh. or made changes whatever what what's your baseline for 17 basically well i think the ap if the apr stays about the same if it's ninth if it's like well 970 to 1000 or whatever it is i think dykes can win probably five six games and he'd be pretty safe i think bowl you know you, you don't want to go bowlless two years in a row um, yeah but i one. i'm not even sure because you know with the apr now tied to bowl performances you can get to, into a bowl game with five wins and if the apr jumps like it should next year cal will probably be the first five win team or one of the first couple five win teams that could actually qualify for a bowl game so I just want to snarkily point out that this continues that trend we just pointed out uh, about Sonny, like, performing in the least satisfying way possible. It is. It would be so quintessential Sonny if we made a bowl this year with five wins and we made a bowl next year with five wins. I And then it would be hard to fire him because he can be like, look, I made a bowl and the academics are good. Like, yeah. I mean, that would, like, you could just say the Pac-12 is really tough. Like Washington State, I think I think I would probably have an aneurysm trying to like, you know, it's hard enough for me to write like with this like restrained sort of anger, and I know it's being picked up out there and read by certain people. Is like, I at some point I'm just gonna have a meltdown, and there will be no like well crafted filter. It'll just be like pure internet like hate. Well, man, if that what that's what happens. Five win team. I mean, they could they could go to Vegas. Mm. Two years in Vegas. I mean, the players would like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It'd be great for the players, and it's all about the players. Um, next question. We didn't get a ton of those this week, but the other question I'm going to take the first shot at, and this is from uh, my boy Nick Truehite. Um, like you. He feels pretty depressed heading into November. Um, this is one of the first big games where he hasn't really felt excited or wanted to look forward to it. So he asks, what, 
how can we talk ourselves into being excited for this game? And I know it's going to be ironic coming from me, but I'm going to try to pump this up a little bit. Um, which is one, it's the big game. It doesn't matter what the record is. Uh, we've come into this game in worse shape as a program before. They've come into this game better than they are right now. And the game still goes on anyway. Because honestly, what this is about beyond winning and losing is what it signifies in terms of possibilities. You know, we enter up until kickoff and probably and then lose it shortly after kickoff, but uh, with as good a chance as any, as good a chance as any team does at beating their rivals on this weekend. You know, weird shit happens. Um, and honestly, I just like the opportunity to stare one of our biggest competitors in the face and say, screw you guys. Like, this is the year. I say the same thing with USC every year also, no matter what the conditions are. I think that's worth being excited about alone because there's so much history and tradition and meaning built into this matchup, and it's going to be played regardless. So you might as well have a positive outlook going in, no matter what the statistics in our last half hour of analysis might tell you. Like, they're not invulnerable. Oh, well, I was going to say that the Stanford band isn't going to be there, so that's That's great. the other reason to be excited. Look, you're not even going to have an interrupted, like, unlistenable audio broadcast. I mean, I mean, with Stanford, like, the big game is always fun, even if we lose. I mean, it sucks when we lose, but you can make fun of the Stanford band, you can make fun of the tree, you can make fun of the fans that don't... You can tweet me to tackle the tree... Oh, I mean, you're still you're four years into this, and you're not still haven't shown it. All right, so people who don't know the Nam should tackle the tree story. This is from 2013. I made the trip down to uh, Palo Alto with some friends. I wore a cape uh, towards the end of that game. We we lost by 50, I think. Uh, this was a yeah. game where some people accused David Shaw of running up the score, and I was like, I couldn't really tell because I had checked out by the end of it, and it got so bad that there was a petition circulating on Cal Twitter that, you know, me being in a cape and a tie and all uh, should run onto the field and tackle Stanford Tree, which obviously I did not do. Totally uh, but the the, uh, the desire has persisted. It would have been the highlight, the highlight of the big game. You would have been a hero. You would have joined the Phoenix Five. You would have joined... I would have been banned for the rest of my life is what I would have been. I don't think you're ever in Palo Alto. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully it won't come to that. Uh, I will be at home. Uh, or not at home, but I'll be in the stadium. I fly out late Friday. Um, and I'll be back for, for senior day for UCLA also. Uh, but those those are the reasons to look forward to it. You know, just be excited anyway. Like, you're going to have a long offseason without college football, whether or not we make a bowl this year, 5-7, uh, and 6-6, seven, six and six, whatever it is. Like, the Saturdays are too precious and too few each fall to spend being miserable on that day. And look, uh, we can totally beat Stanford. Like we, we can totally beat them. Yeah, I mean, there's probably like a 25 30% chance, but it, it's, not, it's not USC on a short night. It's not top 10 Washington, it's not Wazoo. Like, Stanford at home is always a winnable game. 
but so you just can't you can't put you can't put it out of the realm of possibility. Like we we Stanford, we faced good Stanford teams before and beaten them, and we faced Stanford teams that are better than us and we beaten them. It's been a while, but it's totally possible. There you go, Nick. That's our uh, dose of sunshine pumping for you. Those kind of do it for the uh, good questions that we got this week. Uh, Avi, what we're going to do, I don't know if you're familiar with our midweek pod traditions or not, but we usually close these out by uh, shouting out one player that we're keeping an eye on for this weekend. Would you like to do the honors? For this game, hmm. Our offensive line is all healthy, isn't it? I would, I would think so, but I haven't had an updated report yet from Trace. Yeah, then I'd look at Chris Barrio because I think he has to be the key in terms of setting the ground game because we have to be able to run the football. If we can't run the football against Stanford, it's going to be a bunch of cover two, a bunch of linebackers spreading out, and blitzing and occasionally dropping back and it's going to be hell for Webb. So we need to be able for Barrio to run the football and open up some running lanes for us. Uh, For me, I think I'm going to go with Kari Vanderbilt uh, because well, you know, we talked about the role that he's going to have to play uh, matching up against Stanford tight ends, but also, coming into the box, there's been flashes here and there all season. I'd love for those to become more consistent of him just crashing downhill aggressively, looking like he spotted the play and diagnosed it quickly. He'll probably improve next year, uh, and I'm anticipating he retains his starting spot. But um, is he a senior this year? Oh, God, I hope he's not a senior this year. Anyway, that's a production thing. Um, with, th- with that being said, like... I think he's going to be one of the keys to watch, especially if Luke's out, uh, how our safeties do, uh, trying to contain Bryce Love, Christian McCaffrey, and, and the various Stanford tight ends. It's going to be going to be a long day for them. Yeah, Vanderbilt's a junior. Uh, okay, good. Thank God. Um, okay, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, listeners... Scotty will be back. He's just, you know, we got a lot of things going on with life, but we tried to make this happen because it's important to uh, get you a big game pod. Special thanks to our guest, Avi Kanash, um, and uh, Deep and... What? (laughs) Avi Kanash? (laughs) Sorry. Do you want to go at... I totally butchered your name. Do you want to just, like, rake me over the coals on that for later, Avi? Um. Anyway, like I was gonna say so, I was gonna say something like heartfelt and sentimental, but now I just look like a jackass. So my bad, Avi. <laughs> oh, that's a, it's all right, man. It's been uh, a hard, it's been a hard month for us. Yeah. Um. But honestly, like this man, like I owe everything I have, uh, and the fact that we even have a podcast or that you've heard of me, like to the fact that he didn't fire me, so. Thank you so much, Avi. And thanks for coming on. Oh, absolutely. All right. Uh, This has been The Pod is on the Field. Thank you so much uh, for listening, and good luck, and go Bears. Go Bears.